and welcome to Iron Thinker, where international affairs are discussed. I'm Martin Zubko. On this episode, I'm interested in Kazakhstan, especially education and international relations of Kazakhstan. Today, I'm joined by Alberto Frigerio. Hello, Alberto. Hello, everyone. Hello, Martin. Alberto is a teacher, professor or lecturer in Kazakhstan. He is a recipient of the Seaman Responsible Management Educator 2022 Award. Currently, he serves as an international relations lecturer at Almaty Management University. Also, he is author of the book called Dystopian World, which a link is going to be in the description, so you can download the book. Alberto also is a global educator because he joins the research and geopolitical analysis trainings, personal development trainings. So his research interest is actually centered on international relations and culture heritage management. So Alberto is in Kazakhstan at the moment, and I'm very happy that he found some time for our viewers, and he will speak about his personal experience being in Kazakhstan, so he brings the real-life experience to our viewers. <laughs> Alberto, thank you very much for this. And let's start with the first question. So we know Kazakhstan as a post-Soviet country. How the education and international relations levered in Kazakhstan? So usually when we speak about Kazakhstan, we, we see this country as a country with a post-Soviet educational system. So can you tell us how Kazakhstan developed in this area? Well, sure. Um, I believe we can identify three different phases of uh, educational development in Kazakhstan. And this is somehow highly connected with the way in which Kazakhstan presented itself to the world. So in the first phase, uh, uh, the key condition was to introduce Kazakhstan to the world because people didn't know about the existence of Kazakhstan. They could not even identify it on the map. And through the educational process, the government launched the Bolashek program, which is basically a program that provides grants to all those who want to study abroad. So our governmental grants to all those who want to study abroad. At the condition then, once their educational experience is over, they will be back and work in Kazakhstan for a certain number of years. So through the Bolashak, they introduced Kazakhstan outside to the rest of the world. And on the other side, they collected the best practice from university in Europe, uh, United States, and in China, or whatever they decided to go to study. And this was the first phase. In the second phase, they started to brand their country abroad. So there was a process of branding. From an educational perspective, this was associated with the launching of Nazarbayev University. So they said, we need to have one top high quality university here in Kazakhstan that will be recognized anywhere else in the world, but will also push other universities of Kazakhstan to increase their standard of quality. And this is what it happened. Now, this is, was not just an isolated action. I mean, simultaneously, many other things were happening outside the educational system. So Kazakhstan were, uh, was, for example, in launching Air Astana. They were uh, very active in the sportive uh, uh, framework. For example, there was uh, the Astana cycling team. 
or they were starting to organize a lot of uh, events, uh, including Expo 2017 Astana, in Astana. So they started to become very active and very dynamic uh, uh, from this perspective. And then we have the third phase, in uh, which actually just started uh, recently, in which the idea is to attract uh, investment and uh, somehow attention from the outside. This can, from the educational perspective, this happens by opening branches of international university in Kazakhstan. So for example, recently, what was recently opened the University of the Montfort here in Almaty, Penn University in Astana, uh, and there are other international universities that are opening here. So the idea is to attract international branches of international university here in Kazakhstan and to open here, again, with the objective to increase the research process and extend and further improve the quality of uh, education in Kazakhstan. At the same time, we have a transformation of the university at, at, at a systemic level. So university is not anymore just a place of uh, research and studying, but it has to act as a bridge between civil society, business, and government. So is the, is the institution that has to connect the whole centers of development of the country in order to bring Kazakhstan to the next level, to the next steps. Uh, Kazakhstan has very ambitious goal that you can identify in this Kazakhstan strategy 2050, uh, included the one to become one of the top 30 countries of the world. And university has to be the institute who will support the whole process by coordinating the activity of civil society, government, and business. Right. Let me add that if, uh, the audience is very interesting about these different phases, and in particular on the second one, there is a very good book that was published two, year, two years ago by the president of Almaty Management University. He was the editor, Asilbek Kozhekmetov. Uh, and the book is entitled uh, uh, In Search for uh, um, Efficient Model of Kazakhstan University, uh, in which we, I was participating also in this project in which we analyze the different phase and the different aspect uh, characterizing the uh, higher education system in Kazakhstan nowadays. How was this change received by local people? <clears throat> because it's, it's, it's a big change, you know, like I think in the past they were studying in uh, Russian language mostly mm -hmm. and Russia was the main destination for the top universities when people from Kazakhstan wanted to achieve a good quality education. And suddenly, as you said, the international universities opened some branches in Kazakhstan. So how was this received by regular people? Were they enthusiastic about this change or they were a little bit skeptical what those foreigners are going to do in Kazakhstan? I believe it was a combination of both. So on one side, they were a bit scared about their capacity to deal with such a new system. On the other side, there was a lot of excitement to approach the educational system with the new lenses. And uh, it was not just a matter of the language. Of course, we had the shift. So from studying uh, just in Russian and now having more opportunity studying uh, in English, but also eventually some course in Russian or Kazakh language. But it was also the approach uh, of the lecture that completely changed or significantly changed from a strong uh, 
teacher-centered classroom, highly hierarchical. I'm the teacher. I'm telling you what you need to learn, and you have to learn it and memorize it. To a student-centered approach, which is somehow we as refer as constructivist educational approach, in which there is a, a dialogue between the professor and the students, and the students are at the center of the attention. We want to develop their skills, not just their knowledge. We want to discuss about the values behind their education. And so this we want to create a teamworking community. And of course, this is, is a turning point from not sharing their idea because that is was considered as something even offensive for the faculty. They should not tell what they think. They should repeat what the faculty was saying. Now raise the perspective and provide strong arguments sustaining their positions. Position that could be different, and that's absolutely fine. The idea is that through discussion, through dialogue, to enhance our knowledge, our skills, and our understanding of the world. When you mentioned three languages, or Russian, English, and Kazakh language, like, what's the proportion, you know, like, are people studying mostly in this or that language, or how is this developing? It's changing. In the past, most of people were studying a Russian language. Now we have a shift. So actually, we have uh, a, an increase in the number of people who want to study in English language or who want to study in Kazakh language. So then, of course, we need to identify the different faculties. So, for example, in international relations, now uh, basically most of people want to study the English because they understand that in their future, knowing uh, English language will be a key condition to work for international organizations like the UN or for international businesses. So it's a, it's a requirement okay, to operate in the international system. But we, we observe an important shift. So the number of students who now want to study in the Russian is uh, strongly declining, I would say. While we have the growing of the number of students who want to study in English uh, or in Kazakh. Uh, for example, at our university, uh, for two years I have been the dean from 2020-2022 of the School of Politics and Law. And I was introducing a system where students could study in whatever language in the first two years they could choose either English, Russian, or Kazakh. But from the third year on, especially for the course of international relations and economics, I was asking them to study at least 80% of the courses in English. Again, why? It's for their benefit. Because once they will finish the university, English, it has to be part of their curricula. They have to know English if they want to operate within uh, the system of international relations and to have the high or top position uh, in the business field. What sort of support do you have as universities from the Kazakhstan educational sector, I mean the institutions like Ministry of Education, because the changes that you're speaking about are quite attractive, quite innovative. So, you know, how those, you know, state apparatus is approaching those changes? Well, again, I will say that this also the state apparatus is uh, transforming, is evolving with time. Uh, perhaps it's not changing with the same speed as the university system is is transforming, uh, but still they are adopting new solution, which include for, which would be related to the provision of scholarship to students 
or do the extension of the Bolashok program, for example, also to faculty members. So this year we have at our university, Math Management University, four faculties who will move to the United States to work there uh, for, for one year. And then we'll get back with new experiences, new knowledge, and new capacities. Uh, at the same time, for example, from a research perspective, we have several grants that are offered by the government in order to develop certain area of research that are considered particularly relevant for the development of Kazakhstan. Most associated to sustainable development, green, energetic green transition, uh, but also, for example, to the connected to the development of civil society or to the promotion of new innovative solution in uh, uh, high-tech industry or artificial intelligence. So there is a kind of, again, a tentative of support to this process of transformation also from the side of the government. And I think that this is a good uh, response from the governmental side. Is it a big difference to be a private university and state or you know government university in Kazakhstan? Because in Europe, sometimes, there is a big difference and for instance private universities they are a little bit let's say discriminated you know when it comes to grants and the money from the government so how kazakhstan solved this problem well i think uh, that there is also here such kind of division of course public universities tend to receive more funds compared to the private one uh, so I cannot say that the matter has been solved here or been solved better than other parts of the world. Uh, at the same time, uh, what I see is that private universities are the ones who are trying to push for the transformation and pushing the transformation process. So somehow are the ones who try to invite more foreigners, for example, to uh, help to introduce new teaching methodologies, uh, to open mind about new areas of research or to try to understand what kind of uh, uh, new approaches we can adopt from a managerial perspective in order to maximize the internationalization of our university. So uh, even if uh, the, there is this gap and uh, it still exists, uh, private universities are very dynamic and uh, are somehow are those who are pushing to the transformation of, of, of the system of the higher education here in Kazakhstan. You mentioned Bolashak scholarship, and yep. uh, I would like to ask you two questions in one question. Can you please explain what does it mean that scholarship, like what sort of principles that scholarship has and, and how it works in practice? And then if you can tell us that influence of this scholarship on the international relations of Kazakhstan, what sort of influence or impact can you see as a professor? Okay, well, as a program, basically the idea is to allow students who want to have an experience abroad, but do not have the financial capabilities to study outside, uh, to help them to spend at least one year or a certain amount of time in top, high top university, all over the world. So it's not just really to Europe or, or United States, it's wherever you would like to study, the Bolashev program is ready to send you as long as it is high quality university. What is the somehow reasoning behind the Bolashev program? The reason is that this is a, a positive investment. 
for the future of Kazakhstan. So we, as a government, give you the funds to study abroad, but then we ask you to come back and share your experience with others and work in Kazakhstan for a certain amount of time so that others can develop new skills just be in contact with you. I believe this was one of the most successful programs launched in Kazakhstan. Consider the historical framework. Post-Soviet Union, the socioeconomic gap huge, not so many families with the capacity to send their kids abroad to study. Only few elite had the financial capacity to do that. But through these programs, we have a huge amount of people who experience it, okay? How top quality university abroad, and then when came back to Kazakhstan, highly enthusiastic and could share their knowledge. And this creates a movement. So we have more and more uh, people who want to join these programs. And every year we have a lot of people who try to participate. There is, of course, selection process, in which I would say is not only important uh, your knowledge or, uh, or your skills, but your intentions are highly evaluated. What you would like, why you want so much to get to study there? What are your goals? In which way you will be a representative of Kazakhstan abroad once you will be there? And here I come to your second point. The Bolashek program was the way in which Kazakhstan sent its best minds around the world and people started to know, oh, this person is fantastic coming from Kazakhstan. And through, by knowing this person, I start to learn more about Kazakh culture. I start to learn more about Kazakhstan. It was the first fundamental step to spread the knowledge about what is Kazakhstan, what is its culture, and what are its ambitious goals uh, for the future. So I, I believe that this was a highly successful project, and I'm confident that it will still last for several years. And is this project limited by several, uh, certain fields like international relations or medicine, or it's for everyone? It doesn't matter. It's for everyone. It doesn't matter. And they are extending more. I repeat now, the, the future extended. So now even faculties have the chance to go and have experience of uh, research or, or for uh, to, to check a managerial system in other countries. So the, it's, it's again is in a process of uh, uh, transformation in order to maximize actually the outcomes and uh, to extend the possibility uh, of traveling abroad for all those who really have such a strong willingness to do that. Mm -hmm. And when those people return back to universities, then they graduate in Kazakhstan or they graduate abroad? Okay, here we are talking about uh, it, it really depends on the situation. Okay. Most of them are graduating in Kazakhstan, but it might be that there are already some agreements signed between the University of Kazakhstan where they are studying with the university where they are spending their time abroad. So we might have even dual degrees eventually, but this is really specific question. So it really met, depends on what kind of agreements the two universities have signed. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned agreements, I, I can't skip that question about the cooperation between the Kazakhstan or Kazakh universities and abroad, you know, like universities abroad. How 
is the development received abroad like for instance you are a professor from kazakhstan and you want to negotiate some sort of agreement with singapore and mm-hmm. if you compare let's say 20 years ago and today what has changed and how this this enthusiasm that initiative from kazakhstan is received abroad nowadays nowadays there is strong interest toward kazakhstan massive interest uh, i would say not only from university of the west but also from university from the east side as well and from the side of kazakhstan the educational system tends to follow the same approach as it follows for the foreign affairs approach, multi-vector. So we are open to cooperate with whoever wants to work with us. It doesn't matter if it's a country from the West, from the East, or wherever it's located. We are ready to get a good results and to be open-minded to cooperate with anyone who wants to do that. So now there is actually, uh, I mean, the number of agreements signed by Kazakh institution with foreign institution is huge. I mean, my university, I think we have over 200 agreements signed with a foreign university. And of course, not all of them are developing the same way. Um, But for example, one of the most recent achievement was the signature of, uh, uh, of a partnership within this, it's called Sintana Alliance. So Almaty Management University is part of this group of 12, 13 universities around the world, which the main point of reference is Arizona State University, but really there are universities from India, Mexico, Indonesia, Egypt, uh, Ukraine, wherever. And uh, we are cooperating both in the development of joint courses with exchange of seminars. We, have, we are working on exchange of faculty member, as well, we are working on the development of uh, uh, research projects, uh, which based on the cooperation between different faculties members working in different universities. So it's a fantastic uh, project. Uh, we are already experiencing some good results, and uh, this is just one of plenty. So the, the, it, it, we are now in Kazakhstan really open to any sort of cooperation, and each institute has its set of uh, X amount of partners from all over the world with whom they develop several agreements. And they, 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 they are even what is interesting is that in some cases we really achieve uh, amazing results. What's the position of the international students in Kazakhstan, meaning non Kazakh people studying in Kazakhstan? Can you also tell us a few sentences about the development? Because usually people, they want to study in America or UK mm-hmm. or Ger- Germany and Japan and those top destinations. But what's the interest in Kazakhstan from those students? Well, uh, there are different kind of or different groups of international students here in Kazakhstan. First, we have those who are coming here for a short period of time, like those who are coming from, from with, or through the Erasmus Plus experience. And uh, so these students come to Kazakhstan to study from six to one year, and they are primarily moved by curiosity. So they have a lot of other alternatives. Most of them were European, but Kazakhstan was the one catching. I mean, the, the one that is the exotic location that we don't know, but it sounds very interesting. And in this case, for example, we have students from France, from Poland, uh, some actually from Italy, 
And overall, they had quite interesting experiences because it's anyway a location that otherwise they would not visit maybe in their life. And in some cases, they liked it so much that they came back later on. So we have, uh, for example, I, I have the case of one guy who was here in Erasmus from France. Then we have to close the program due to COVID, but now it's back here working in Kazakhstan. And it's not an exceptional case. There are some who like it so much, the country, then they decided to get back, be back. Then we have uh, uh, certain students that come through special programs. For example, at Almayu, we have one special programs organized through the fundings of the United Nations Development Program, through which we were inviting the 50 students, uh, 50 lady from uh, Afghanistan to study in, in Kazakhstan for a certain period of time. And also that is an amazing project for them it was interesting because they could experience a new way of education and somehow they could uh, uh, extended their knowledge and their skills. And uh, through such programs, uh, I, I took part as a trainer. I really met some of the most wonderful students uh, that uh, I faced during my whole career. So uh, it was very, very interesting. And then we have those students who come here in Kazakhstan to study full time. Now, in this regard, I would say that we are working on the internationalization, but most of the time, the students coming here are more regional. So tends to be Central Asian, so Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, or Southern Asia. Southern Asian, which means from India, mostly some from Pakistan and so on. There are some universities who are able to get also some students from other regions. Example are Kimep University or uh, uh, Nazarbayev University that somehow are able to also attract students from other parts of the world. But we still need to work more on this. Okay, so this is still a, a part that Kazakhstan is still working on. And uh, I believe this is a combination of, uh, again, branding. So letting people know that we exist and have high quality system of education. Uh, as well as uh, uh, keeping control or increase the number of foreigners, foreign, foreign professors working here that can be another factor of attraction or appeal for, for people. And uh, in general, people come here, they study at least their bachelor degree. Once they finish, some of them get back to their country and start to work there. But there are also some who decided to remain. And uh, in some cases, they open their company or, or they just work for international business. So we have here a good amount of group of uh, who works for Coca-Cola, for example. And uh, I would say that the, most of them are highly satisfied about their experience in Kazakhstan. How would you evaluate the situation with international students coming for PhD studies in Kazakhstan? Because this question is very mm -hmm. sensitive all over the world. You know, like when you ask professors from the universities, you know, on one hand, they want more international students studying PhD programs. On the other hand, they want to create a balance. So the local people and international people, they work together. In, in some sort of research on some sort of research projects. So how is this in Kazakhstan? Well, I believe this is a part that still needs to be developed more. Um, 
we have mostly PhDR locals. So most of them are from Kazakhstan, only a few percentage actually are foreigner. Uh, somehow this is related to the fact that the system uh, surrounding the whole PhD career uh, is not fixed or has not uh, followed uh, some standardized rules up to now. So we have constant changes. Now, changes are fine as soon as we have a clear and transparent path of development. If you change too fast or too frequently, then we might have a problem. So my recommendation for Kazan will be to identify some specific rules as well to increase the uh, scholarship given to PhD so that in this way, we might extend also the number of students coming from farther part of the world interested of studying in Kazakhstan. Uh, there is also a matter of language. A lot of PhD programs here in Kazakhstan are conducted uh, only in Russian language, not in English. And again, so this, we need the transformation. If you want to attract people from other parts of the world, then also you need to open more program in English language. So somehow this one area in which I believe Kazakhstan can, can improve its, its condition, uh, but I'm quite optimistic about that. One question from my students. Uh, they ask, we read about Kazakhstan as a Muslim country, but I am not that sort of religion, you know, I'm not Muslim person. I'm a little bit afraid to go to Kazakhstan. So how is this religion and education slash international student situation in Kazakhstan? Is this just a myth or is this the reality? Well, Kazakhstan, yes, is a Muslim country, but is a secular state. And uh, I will say that you don't feel the pressure of the religious aspect in the daily life. So Kazakhstan is a, a highly ethnically diverse country. So consider that we don't have all the Kazakh people, but we have a huge community of Russian people. And now statistic, I don't have the last one, but uh, to make an explanation, I will say around 18% of the population is ethnically Russian and not Muslim. Plus we have a lot of over 100 of different minorities, which include uh, Germans, Italians, uh, Kyrgyz, uh, and, and so on and so on. Uh, as my personal experience, I'm living in Kazakhstan since nine years, and uh, the religious aspect here is not pushed to any, uh, uh, any way in the educational sphere. And even in the normal life or in the common society, uh, there is a quite uh, interesting uh, open mind about the religious faith. So it's an independent individual choice rather than uh, an elements uh, characterizing the whole, uh, the whole society. Uh, so they will not face any kind of discrimination if this, uh, this is what they are afraid of, or uh, they won't perceive any sort of uh, um, pressure over the need to be in conformity with certain uh, religious standards once they will come here. Uh, 
Uh, Almaty is, uh, if it's in the specific case of Almaty where I live, this is a highly internationalized uh, city. It really reminds a European city, in my viewpoint. So you will not feel so huge differences from living in Milan or uh, in Berlin or, or in Almaty. I mean, it's highly international, highly diversified and, and really open-minded place. So, and Kazakh people are, are really welcoming people. So they, they will feel very comfortable here. Right. Based on your personal experience, what are the most common challenges that those international students face in Kazakhstan, for instance, in Almaty? You know, I, I, I'm interested in something you might, you know, elaborate on. So people might get some real perspective, some realistic view, you know, because sometimes I think Kazakhstan is underestimated and many times it might be skipped you know, because of, of location, because of those unanswered questions? Well, I, I would say that there are maybe mm, two major challenges. Uh, one is related to the bureaucratic procedure, for example, associated with the visa issue, uh, because uh, uh, most of the time you have to deal here with people who do not speak in English. But in this regard, universities are very well equipped. So they have specialized staff who work with students in order to get the required documentation. Similar challenges can be faced, for example, in opening a bank account or getting a SIM card for the phone. But it's one-time experience. I mean, once you do that, it's done. I mean, it's, you, are, you are done for the rest of the year. But this is one of the challenges. The second one, it could be the climate, uh, because uh, especially in Astana, so the capital of Kazakhstan, it's uh, very cold in the winter, so it can reach temperature of minus 40 degrees and very hot in summer, again, plus 40. So depends from where you come, we're coming, but this might be a kind of challenging because in winter time, people move from university to home and home university just because it's harsh to work outside. More temperated uh, climate is the one in Almaty, but, but still, as Italian in the first year, I struggled with the Kazakh winter. Uh, I, I'm not, I was not ready for that. Now I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. But that's all, because for the, for the rest, uh, mm, first, there is a very comfortable system of transportation in the sense that we have a very simple way to get taxi that are not so expensive here in Kazakhstan. And you can safely travel in all over the, the city. And plus we have public transport, which is pretty nice. Uh, we have uh, the community in general, they're, they're really like, I mean, they are quite uh, interested in foreigners. So uh, we don't have so many cases of clashes between locals and, and foreigners. And most of the time, there is, they are very welcoming. I mean, they are, they are really in to know more about the country of your origin and your experience and so on. And the, the language barrier is barrier till a certain point because anyway, there will the curiosity prevail over such a barrier. And uh, uh, even about uh, the capacity to socialize, I would say that's not a matter. I mean, a lot of we have a lot of group. I mean, we have one community here is called Internationals, which uh, both uh, expatriates and locals can join together in different events, from entertaining to dining to uh, talking about business. 
and, and just meet each other. So I see more plus than minuses uh, in, from, from this perspective. That's good to hear. And I'm, I'm sure that our students uh, and international audience, uh, they, they will appreciate that information. Let's speak a little bit about the Kazakh diaspora abroad. By this, mm -hmm. I mean, for instance, professors who are of the Kazakh origin, but they are teaching abroad, and also some students who are living abroad, but they are Kazakh. So what's the interaction between, as you said, that development enthusiasm in educational sector in Kazakhstan, maybe at your university, and the diaspora? Do you have any interactions, or if so, what sort of interactions? Well, we have interaction because uh, we have uh, uh, a lot of amazing faculties who now operate in some of the best universities in the world. Uh, I just mentioned here one name. We have, uh, there is one faculty, Nargis Kassinova, who is uh, at the head of a center for Central Asia at Harvard University. And uh, she is one of the most well-known uh, researcher about uh, foreign policy of Kazakhstan. And uh, so we try to, of course, we are interested to invite her and uh, other faculties like her to seminar, to conferences and joint projects and so on. So we have, uh, it, there is still maintaining in a way a contact using with those amazing professors who decided to move their life in uh, other countries and other places. And about students, I will say that uh, um, the situation is interesting in the sense that uh, there are a lot of students who finish bachelor degree here in Kazakhstan, then move to study master degree abroad. The country could be different. Uh, some of them, at certain moment, deciding to get back, uh, while others they definitely move there and they see that their experience, their life there is amazing, and they create their own family abroad, and that's fantastic. But still, uh, they the roots or the connection with some people uh, remain stable. I mean, uh, talking personally, uh, I'm still in contact with some of my students who moved to study abroad. So, for example, I know there are four or five students who are now studying in Italy, and from time by time, we exchange about what is happening to them, their experience. I know there are some in Germany, some in Canada, actually a group of uh, Afghan girls in Canada. And it's it's the personal contact, the personal connection that here matter, the way in which still, even if we have just a couple of courses in the past together, but due to the fact that, for example, I was writing the letter of recommendation or in a way we're supporting them in their search of university abroad, we keep a contact of communication and experience. And for a good reason, because the those who are now students might be tomorrow I don't know, faculty members at my university or assistant or working in a way in sphere in which we might have some mutual interest. So uh, it's, uh, I still, that I believe that still in a way there is, because uh, people are really, and in this case are very close to Italian. So there is strong legacy with families, with friends, with the community in which they live. And this is not broken, even if they decided to move to live abroad. This legacy, this uh, attachment is kept uh, for, I mean, and is not going to be any way, <laughs> in any way removed uh, despite the distance or geographical distance of where they are located now. 
After what you said about the education and also education in international relations in Kazakhstan, there are a few natural questions following. The first one is, if the education is improving, for instance, in international relations, do you see better people having jobs as Kazakh diplomats or at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs? Do you see that sort of like quality knowledge transfer from the university to the government? It's very interesting question, um, very critical one. <laughs> uh, I will say that uh, um, it's happening. Uh, it's but it's happening maybe now. I mean, it's just starting to happen. Uh, we have we need or we are. Uh, we had the kind of generation generational gap. So those who were working previously in such a position were in general those who studied even during Soviet time. But now something is changing. So we start to see some younger, interesting people getting a relevant position. So, for example, we have right now in Kazakhstan a very interesting person as Ministry of Education and uh, very well known, and uh, he's showing uh, his understanding about how the system needs to change. But also we have a very young uh, lady who, is, who took the position for the Ministry of Environmental Development. Now, I'm not sure it's this the name, but in a way related to the environmental aspect. And she's very young, dynamic, and uh, looking forward lady. So it's it's happening. It's just happening right now. Probably to say that this will, we are, we are already seeing this transition from uh, high quality education and occupying top position. We might need a bit more time, few years more, but the process is starting. So this is a good point. Yeah, that's, that's a natural development because we have the same in Europe, you know, like if you are 50, 65, you're still in the top position. And then when you are 35, you are still waiting for your time to come. So, so that's, that's natural development. But the most important is that there is a political will to accept those people, you know, instead of saying like, oh, I will be serving here till my 85, you know. So, so the most important is that those people will have some opportunity to join. Because to be a diplomat or to be ambassador of Kazakhstan, you in this age, you know, you really need someone who is knowledgeable, who has some more perspectives, you know, not only one. So that, that's happy to hear that this change is gradually happening and it's not forgotten. The second follow-up question is the soft power. You know, Kazakh soft power and mm -hmm. the education. What sort of changes or what sort of development can you see? And what can you tell us about this? Because we see Kazakhstan as a very active country abroad, but maybe you have some better perspective to educate us about the soft power of Kazakhstan. Well, Kazakhstan was playing a lot with its soft power. I mean, uh, in, uh, in, as a, a key condition for its foreign policy. So it's the way to present uh, the country to the rest of the world. Uh, for instance, the denuclearization campaign led by Kazakhstan was also one of the conditions in order to show how Kazakhstan is dynamically active on important topic, as well as willing to get the responsibility to negotiate a dialogue between nuclear countries and led to a denuclearization process. 
So, um, of course, soft power is one of the key dynamics of uh, the foreign affairs of custom as it touches well the educational process. So, in this regard, uh, we have uh, kind of cooperation and negotiation between, uh, for example, different institutes of culture. Uh, from, for example, I can remember Alliance Francaise uh, uh, or uh, the, the, there is the Confucio Institute of Culture here and Kazakhstan, in which they cooperate to create kind of joint event or a shared of cultural experience and so on. Uh, we have also a kind of new dynamism related to creative industry. Uh, so there is uh, a growing uh, attention to the film industry, for example, and the capacity to show how culture could be branded outside through movies, through, through uh, documentaries, and, and uh, such kind of, uh, uh, of products. And, uh, the, and that's why also from, a, from an educational perspective, we have uh, new programs launched specifically focused on the cinema industry. So at Almaty Management University, now we have uh, the School of uh, Media and Film Studies in which we cooperate directly with the uh, Kazakh cinema. So the main st studio creating uh, the moving Kazakhstan so that they might have new young generation of people ready to work in such industry and to, and to provide high quality outcomes uh, in, the in the cinema industry. So there is uh, a constant process of uh, of cooperation with different industries, with uh, exploring new opportunities of development. And, uh, and this is also related, for example, to the organization of events or the focus on the sportive activities. So there is a strong emphasis about how Kazakhstan can brand itself uh, with special figures emerging in, 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 in the sportive industry. Uh, Golovkin in the box is, for example, the name comes right now in, in my mind. So he he was uh, really uh, an extraordinary sportsman who represented Kazakhstan abroad. But I would say not only in terms of success, but also about ethical behavior. So I still remember. I mean, there was some uh, some matches in which he maintained and he showed to the rest of the world the capacity to keep control and. Uh, show a certain sense of morality even in a violent sport like boxing and that's fantastic that's what actually kazakhstan want to show to the rest of the world uh, the values behind the country as well as the capacity that the country has to be one of the competitors uh, in many different areas in the world part of the soft power nowadays especially is digital diplomacy so how, how, how do you see digitalization in Kazakhstan? How is it? How, how it changes? And, and what can you tell us about the future plans in that area? It is fantastic. And uh, I can say that as an Italian. So uh, from this perspective, uh, Kazakhstan invested more than many European countries. So right now, for example, if I need to get some documents, we have an excellent system all online through which I can ask appointment. I can already get the documentation just from this website. I can raise complaints and so on. So they, they invest in the digitalization process and the results are already there. So we have some amazing results, especially in relation with the deal between the citizens and the government and the, the documentation system. So from this perspective, the bureaucratization process has been highly uh, 
producers and is now more uh, simple to get the, the proper documentation once you want that. Of course, you need to know that. So, for example, most of the foreigners arrive here and we don't know what actually we can do with that. But uh, once you learn how the system works, I would say that with dealing with the public issues or with the banking system and others, uh, everything happens uh, online. And so it was fantastic. From an educational perspective, we are also working on the digitization process, which means we are contributing, for example, to the development of courses on platforms like Coursera. So you can have your whole full course available with videos, materials, and so on, just online. Uh, as well as some, I would say that uh, in, incredibly, but uh, so, uh, surprisingly, but uh, uh, I mean, that was also a positive surprise, Kazakhstan was ready when the COVID arrived to shift to a system of online education. So we use different platforms. Sometimes we use Zoom, sometimes we use Teams or other platforms in other cases. But still, what surprised me is that the shift was much more smoother than I could expect because it happened suddenly, but still there was the capacity to shift to that. So digitalization is one is one of the key, I would say, priority of Kazakhstan for the future. I mean, digitalization, sustainability, and development of civil society. I think these are the three key, di key directions that Kazakhstan will, will take in, at least in the next 10, 20 years. And, uh, but some good results have already been achieved. And uh, I'm, I'm sure that they, they will keep moving on from, from where we are now. How can you see the geographical position of Kazakhstan in terms of education and international relations? Because we know that Kazakhstan is sort of a bridge between the West and the East, and also South in, in, in some way, you know, Asia, Europe, Russia, the Middle East. So is this advantage which is utilized in Kazakhstan? Well, it, I would say that, um, again, we had uh, a critical thinking about the educational model of Kazakhstan. That's why also two years ago, we published the book I mentioned earlier. Because, of course, the idea is, let's give a look about the best experiences from all over the world. And let's look at the American model, Singapore, European University. Fantastic. But then we need to understand how we can readapt this model to the contextual features of Central Asia. Because, for example, Mathematics Management University is not Harvard University. And it cannot be. But we can get some of the good best practice uh, that they adopted and reformulate, reconceptualize, and see how we can use it here. So in this framework, I think that uh, Kazakhstan uh, somehow is still trying to develop its own model, but already put some fundamental pillars. So one of them is the dialogue with civil society, for example. The university as an institution that is not like a, a fortress surrounded by wall. We have students and the rest of the societies outside. We need to open up both in research, education, events, and make people from society deal with us, communicate with us. We need to give a contribution to the development of local community. 
That should be our first goal. And the second direction is taking is about sustainable development. Not only we are, most of university now in Kazakhstan has um, in their mission, the word sustainability, so it's part of their mission, but we are opening center, uh, laboratories, uh, developing new projects, aim to somehow provide a positive contribution, direct and indirect, so direct by transforming the, the structure of the university itself, the campus, okay? Indirect means through education, through projects, through promoting certain values in, in the way to realize or support the development, the, the realization of sustainable development goals. And the third part is the internationalization process. So cooperation, cooperation, cooperation with as many universities, as many people who are willing to do that. Again, not longer than two months ago, we hosted in a multi management university something like around 20 students from Lehigh University, through which we are launching different uh, students' projects. So, cooperation between Almaty Management University students and Lehigh University students from US. Faculties of the university are acting as mentor. And projects, for example, one is related to air pollution in Almaty, another one is related to the creation of uh, a platform for sharing opinion, the knowledge and experiences for enhancing research activities. One is related to food production and consumption. So all somehow associated or closely associated with the aspect of sustainability. What is the interest of uh, students to study international relations in Kazakhstan? Uh, they are interested primarily in two areas or two aspects. One is to learn languages. So they want to learn as many languages as possible. They see them as a vehicle for a successful career in the future. The second one is moved by the attention to open up to the international society. So it's not just related, okay, for future business opportunities. So the capacity to work in a certain company or other, but also the, the way of cross-cultural communication how to deal with people of different countries, in which way I can communicate and I can negotiate and can open a constructive dialogue with them. Uh, so some uh, uh, do that because they have already in their mind uh, uh, somehow a future in the dip diplomatic sphere. Some want more to work in open business like uh, in, uh, for uh, Ferrero, Coca-Cola or other international companies. Uh, there are others who want to work in academia, so have already perspective. Others who actually have no idea about what they want in the future, but they see international relations as a highly dynamic, somehow multi-layered education through which they can gain knowledge of different fields, and through that they can somehow open up their chances for the future or their opportunities for the future. One sophisticated question. Kazakhstan is, you know, close to China, close to Russia, close to Central Asia, and international relations is often a sensitive topic. So what is the academic freedom in Kazakhstan as a professor, you know, when you publish, when you research, when you're trying to create some research programs? How can mm -hmm. you feel? How can you feel? Do you feel any sort of like, let's say, not pressure, but any guidance, like, you know, hmm, this is not the best area to research, so let's do something else. Or or how is it in Kazakhstan? No, I would say that it's rather open. Uh, so we can, uh, when I was developing my program, I have never faced any constraint 
or any pressure on aspect that they should deal with or not. Uh, we also adapt to the situation. So we know that there might be some topics that uh, are somehow, uh, they, they, they are difficult uh, to be faced from an ethical perspective. Uh, and that's why we open ethical commission. But these are primarily related to, for example, how we collect data so that privacy is respected, in which way we save them, in which way we can guarantee that no one who participates in the research project will get injured, or we can guarantee anonymity if this is demanded and so on. But on the whole, we don't have, we don't have, not strong, we don't have pressure on the topic we can explore. There were eventually some cases, I mean, for example, there was the period of the Green Revolution. Uh, this uh, happened uh, eight years ago, more or less, uh, in which, of course, talking about such issues could uh, lead to somehow to difficult discourse. I mean, to which extent, for example, these movements could extend to Central Asia. But more than to be a kind of, uh, mm, I, I, I'll say, a, a a priori uh, hindering of this of this topic, the idea was be responsible when dealing with that. So be attentive in which way you are critical analyzing such a phenomenon. That that's all. So no no more pressure than that. So I, I don't see so big difference compared to similar cases in other part of the world. In some way, when you research and when you read about, especially American universities, you see that sort of movement that some of the universities tend to be like leftist or, you know, sort of like going political to the right or left or, or some sort of movement mm -hmm. in that area. <clears throat> Do you have the same in Kazakhstan or, or this is not, a, not the issue in Kazakhstan? Uh, I don't see something exactly like that, even because there is not such kind of conceptualization here. Maybe we can see some universities are more closer to what is the uh, main party or the main political elite of Kazakhstan, and other university a bit more liberal and more free or detached from that. But that's all. I don't see this left-right uh, mm, Philosophy here in Kazakhstan will not apply well, uh, simply because also we have one just main party sitting in the parliament, so there is not even such a logic uh, of a left and right approach. Uh, and paradoxically, for example, if I, one might think, okay, Nazarbayev University was opened by former president of Kazakhstan, Mustan Nazarbayev, so might be very close to political elite, but on the contrary, perhaps is one of the most liberal and somehow dynamic universe in terms of research and uh, critical discussion. So, um, no, I, don't, I cannot see that there is this kind of correspondence here as in the system of the United States. One theoretical question. <clears throat> From the point of view of professor, what would be three most important reforms or maybe some rules, regulations adopted by Kazakhstan, so your work is easier and better? Well, I would say the first point should be simplification. Uh, we need to guarantee that everything is transparent, clear, and obvious since the beginning. So since before launching the 
the, the, the program before creating the syllabus and before beginning uh, the course itself. Um, of course, this is only partially respected because we are in a process of transition. So we have a lot of changes going on, but they should somehow uh, put a bit more attention on this aspect. I mean, sometimes being simple doesn't mean to be weak, but it means to be just more clear and transparent and they have in the end better outcomes. Second, create a better system of accountability, which means I give me the responsibility and then evaluate the final outcomes in the end according to well-established and clear criteria. Again, if this is done, then we can determine was the course success, was not, what part can be changed, what part can be maintained, and so on. Uh, the last point is perhaps related to evaluate more quality. Uh, there is still too much attention, is changing, I, I will have to say, but there is too, too much attention the quantitative process instead of the qualitative one. For example, what sometimes we have discussion is that it doesn't matter to have five publications in one year if they are not on good, high-quality journal. It's better to have only one, but high-quality instead of five. The same is better to have to teach less courses, but at high quality with a good student's command and somehow high level of satisfaction instead of conducting a lot of courses, but then with poor results. So we need to shift a bit the mentality and focus more on the qualitative aspect instead of the quantitative one. And it's happening, slowly happening, but it is it, changing. Said Alberto Frigerio, Professor of International Relations at Almaty Management University. Alberto, thank you very much for your time, for your insightful thoughts and ideas, and presenting Kazakhstan in a very balanced, realistic way, which will be appreciated by the international audience and my students. Thank you again for your time. I wish you good luck with your research and your work, because it's not easy work. And also, that sort of international enthusiasm to still continue to develop new research programs, projects, and present Kazakhstan in a way that it deserves. Thank you very much for the interview. Thank you very much for this opportunity. See you later.